Um, let me take you back. It's a very Van Morrison phrase. Let's go back, go back, take you back, and that's where we're going. I want to go back last August. Some of you were here for our Van Morrison service um, at the end of August, before the bank holiday Monday, where Van Morrison um, played his 70th birthday concert on Cypress Avenue, which he has made famous in his songs um, across the decades. <clears throat> and the next day, well, the day after the service was that concert. And um, Morrison did what Morrison does, which is to take Belfast places, childhood memories, and transcendent moments that he found in those, um, and doing something with them that makes them into these amazing songs and almost beyond songs. And if you've been to Van Morrison concert, it's always really good. And I've been to good Van Morrison concerts that were really, really good, but they lacked some soul because he's proficient and his band wouldn't need to step out of line because he's Van Morrison. And you can be sure that whatever gig of Van Morrison's you go to, it will be musically superb. But something else happens now and again. Something else happens now and again where he takes it to another level that could probably only be described as spiritual. He locks into some other place. He calls it being lit up inside, which he tells us came from billboards around his East Belfast home in Hindford Street, where John's gospel and the light of the world and all kinds of stuff would be seen up around him. Or he calls it the eternal now. During the last song on the second concert on Cypress Avenue last August, the one that I wasn't at, I was at the first one. He went into the song Hindford Street that he doesn't do very often. And near the end of it, and this was in television a few nights later, near the end of it, Morrison went into one of these moments. We'd got it in the first gig, but I think they got it deluxe in the second gig. Hindford Street's all about the street where he was brought up. Not the most artistic-looking street if you've driven down it, as I have occasionally, being a Van Morrison fan. He talks about Radio Luxembourg, and he talks about all the stuff around Hindford Street where he grew up. And then, at the end of it, he moved into this mystical place. It's always being now, in the silence, in the deep meditation. Take me way back. Take me back to the now. And it's always now. Take me right back to the now. Because the only time it is, the only time it is, is now. The only time it is, is right here, right now. In the eternal presence. In the eternal presence. The only time is now. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, bring it down. In the presence of the Holy Ghost, bring it down, bring it right now. The only time is now. Ain't it righteous, child? The only time is now. Be, be, be here, be here. Bring it on, bring it on. And he drifts off the stage as the band keep playing. And as I watched this last August, I have to say there was something of it which was definitely in the spiritual. I mean, Van's calling down the Holy Ghost here. And um, I have a few charismatic friends that were really into this. They were at the gig and they thought that uh, 24-7 prayer had all been answered in, in one moment of bring it down, Holy Ghost, bring it down. But the other side of it is, 
I wasn't sure about it. Now, the eternal now, bring it here now, take me back to now. It could be just Van going off on one, couldn't it? And then, a few weeks ago, Dave Thompson hands me a book by Paul Lederach, and I think it's his daughter also, uh, Angela. Uh, Jill Lederach writes in this book. It's called When Blood and Bones Cry Out, and it's about healing and reconciliation, which at this moment in time, because we're thinking ahead to the next Four Corners Festival, it's going to be about healing. And um, Dave said to me, you're going to really like this book, but there's one chapter you're going to really love. It's about Van Morrison. So I thought I would really love that, and I really loved it. But it took me into Van Morrison's songs in ways that I don't even think Van Morrison has gone into, particularly the ending of that concert last August on Cypress Avenue. Basically, what Lederach tries to do is, and you're going to have to bear with me here, this is a surmise more than it is a sermon, and I'm hoping we're going to get from Cypress Avenue to the Temple in Jerusalem and back to communion in the next 10 minutes, but you're going to have to bear with me. Lederach in this book challenges that healing is done in a linear format. Healing is done in a linear format. So let me take you uh, to that for a moment in time. We over here have lived this life. There may have been trauma. There may have been doubt. There may have been sinfulness. And then in a linear format, we come to this cross, which we're going to remember in the sacrament of the Lord's, uh, the last, the Lord's uh, table and the communion, the Eucharist, the Mass, whatever we want to call it in our particular denomination. So we come from where we've been and the damage that's been done, and we come to this place of healing, this place of restoration, this place of redemption, this place of new life. And then we move through that as if almost it's like um, a car wash, and we come out the other end of the car wash, and we're in this healed side of the linear. It's been broken, it's been damaged, it's been healed, and we're out the other end into the future, past, maybe the present of the sacrament today, future hope. It's linear. Lederach challenges that. And he suggests that our lives are not at all linear. They're actually layered. So what he thinks happens is that in the moment, in the now, we have all the memories of our past, all the brokenness, all the illness, all the trauma, all the stuff that has damaged us, all the stuff that has shifted us out of joint or made us exiles or lost. We have this sense of redemption. And out of that, there is a future, but it's more about the now. Because as I look out right here and now, I do not see you in the moment as a linear. Oh, last week you did this. Today there you are right now. And to, tomorrow you're going to, well, not tomorrow, you're going to leave here in a half an hour's time if you're hopeful and go out into the rest of your life. What I have in front of me is all those stories I know about you. All those different things that I know have happened to you. All those different things that come with you into this moment because you are not a moment in time. You're a layered being with memory and redemption and hopefulness.
altogether. Now, letter act suggests that this is where healing comes, that this is the way that we look at things in order to find some sense of things. And he goes back into Van Morrison's music and he sees that this is what Van Morrison's doing constantly. The eternal now for Van Morrison is that the song was about Hindford Street. The song was about Radio Luxembourg in the 50s. The song was about Fusco's ice cream. The song was about these memories that he had on Cypress Avenue where the apples leaned over the gardens. But it was now because he was bringing these memories into the now to make sense of them and to bring some sense of identity to them and to bring some sense of meaning as to what his life's about right here and now. Lederach then would say Jesus is a perfect example of such. The Jesus at Nain that we heard about in one of the other readings from the reactionary today that Rose did comes into a situation where a woman has lost her husband and now her son and Jesus is in the moment. He's in the now. But who's in the now? Jesus is in the now. Jesus, who knows everything from before to knows everything from at the end, the alpha and the omega at the beginning and the end, takes time to be in the moment. God is in the now when he meets a Samaritan woman. God is in the now when he has dinner with Zacchaeus. God is in the now when on the cross he says, today you will be with me in paradise. The eternal is in the now, layered, the stories that we have. Psalm 30 is a psalm of someone who's been going through some pretty difficult traumas on the linear way over there, but in the praise and worship right here in the now. You lifted me out of the depths. You brought me from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down into the pit. And so then he gets into verse 5 that we know so well. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And we might see that as linear. Oh, well, there was the weeping over there. There's the redemption here. And suddenly we're through that and everything's going to be all right again. But that's not where the psalmist goes. Because then we get to this little bit of a disturbing place. Where when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. That when we come through the weeping... And we find ourselves right through the sorrow into some sense of healing. That doesn't guarantee that in this side of the table, that in this side of sharing this bread and wine, everything's going to be wonderful because our life experience is not that at all. Our life experience is not that everything's going to be all right in the linear here. We're going to still be struggling in the sorrows. We're still going to be needing to ask God for help. We're still going to need to find the exile coming home, taking us back. How do we do that? Well, it seems that the Psalms in Psalm 30 is a place that we do that because what we're at now in Fitzroy at this moment in time in our lives is that in this moment now we've got the eternal happening. We are in the worship of a God who is eternal. We have somehow stepped into this place of praise where we've been singing these songs of the eternal. We are going to, in a moment or two, come and take some of this bread and some of this wine, and somehow our lives are going to find ourselves enveloped in the eternal. And this is how God sees it. We don't go to worship because, well, we're Christians and we better go there because that's our duty, no matter how bad the sermon is or who it is in the worship this week or how long it's going to be. Or 
We don't go for that reason. We go because somehow in the constructs of God, we're able to take all of our memory, all of our theology, memory that we've had as experienced as individuals and memory that we have as the people of God, and we bring it into a place where there's some sort of enveloping in the now that might make sense of it all. One of the professors um, that I was reading and found in the web on this said, temple, this is a psalm dedicated to the temple. Temple becomes a richly layered symbol for the participation of the faithful in worship through the centuries. The temple, the idea of worship, the idea of praise becomes a richly layered symbol for the participation of the faithful in worship through the centuries. We become part of something that's layered. We become part of something that's all-encompassing. The temple with its liturgical rhythms becomes the spiritual edifice constructed by those who sing God's praises in every generation. In praise, we are the eternal now. We're asking the Spirit to be with us in the eternal now. We're not going back just to memories of childhood like Van Morrison does. We're going back to memories of the Gospels. We're going back to memories of liberation of the people of God in the past. And we bring those with us into the now to make sense and bring healing and redemption. Not in the linear, but right here now. Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. Here's where Carolyn Sharp took me on an exciting journey. She says this, Psalm 30 inscribes holy space in two temporal dimensions. One dimension is the contested space of historical time lived in God's presence. We are drawn into the drama of life of the believer with its doubts and its joys, its anger and its trust, its barely suppressed fears of enemies. But another temporal dimension unfolds as well. The sacred space of eternity in which God's favor continually heals believers and clothes them with joy. Mourning turns to dancing. Sackcloth is treated for a garment of rejoicing. These are the liturgical terms we are led to perceive the temple as both literal and spiritual edifices, holding together these two dimensions of faithful living. I don't know whether Carlin Sharp has ever read Paul Lederach or Lederach has ever um, uh, read Carlin Sharp. I don't know whether Carlin Sharp has ever listened to Van Morrison. But in the last 24 hours, particularly, as I brought these two things together, there is something saying that we need to grapple with what we're involved in when we come to worship. We are in the now, but the now is layered with our memories, our histories, our tradition, and our theologies. And we become part of something much bigger. We become part of something that can make sense of all that is going on in our now. Because even those of us who've been healed from the trauma still may carry it around in the now. We bring all we have. We bring all that we can be. Some then, some now, some when. The eternal is now at either end. Let me take this home, or at least to the communion table. What is my surmising? Does it make any sense? You're probably going to have to go away and think about it, as I will, for a a next period of time, and you might hear another surmising as that comes out. What I'm going to say pastorally at the end of a service like this are three very quick things, and they really are, don't panic. See yourself 
enveloped in the eternal. Today, right here and now, who you are at this moment, see that person that you are right at this moment enveloped in the eternal. The scriptures that we've read, the stories we've told, the prayers that Desi prayed, the hymns that we've been singing, the bread and the wine that we will receive in a moment. See yourself enveloped in this rich layering of history and belief. And see healing in that layering right now. We bring who we are. We bring what we've done. And in the now, enveloped in this worship, this constructed temple of praise, we find ourselves, ourselves, the healing has at least begun. And then finally, and maybe most importantly, we need to learn to live in this now. As I've pondered this over the course of the last week in Lederach's book over the last couple of weeks, I can't help but thinking that I've been living this linear life that said, oh, you were that one, Stockman. But thankfully in the cross, you're this now. Now, what can you be getting on with? And you're always thinking about what you can be getting on with rather than what's happening right now. Being present to the now. And the presence of God in the now person beside you in the pew, the person you come in with or went out with, the person you're going to have coffee with, are you present to the potential and possibility of the now that is layered with the eternal, that is layered with all kinds of stuff? Do we live in the now? My earliest memory of my mother was saying, son, don't wish your life away. Don't wish your life away. And how many of us have? But if we think we have, we're wrong. Because we've got the now. And everything we need is in the now. And all the potential of what we can do is in the now. What is it we can do right now? One of the things is to get rid of the distractions of everything else around us. To just become aware of the presence of God in the now. The presence of who we are in God in the now. To live the eternal right now. I finish with another singer. Forgive me for all those this week, but as I was coming to the end of this sermon, I realized I blogged last week about this now. Corinne Bailey Ray has a song at the moment that says, Life shining around you, don't miss a day. If you're caught up in the chase, you hold your happiness away from you. Stop where you are under fading stars. This is the world we've made. There is no better place, it's true. Light a fire where you are. Light a fire where you are. Stop where you are. Because right now, everything, everything that's available to you is in the now. And it's layered. You're not just there to move on to there. And you haven't really moved away from here. All of this comes, and with the presence of God, and the memories that we remember, and the stories that we tell, we can find perhaps healing, perhaps meaningfulness, perhaps redemption, but we can find 
through this cross and resurrection, all that God has for us in the now. Let's pray. Lord, forgive us when we get caught in the past or when we're always dreaming of a future. Help us to see ourselves as this layered person, layered being, and that part of that layering, because we have come in to your worship and praise and around this table, has the eternal presence of the Holy Spirit right in the midst of us. As Paul said in Ephesians, may the eyes of our hearts be enlightened to what is going on in our lives now. And may that bring meaning, identity, potential for what we might do for others in the now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.